Okay, take two. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of CBIA's BizCast. I'm Shannon King. Last week, I talked to Meredith Shea, CEO and owner of Incord, a netting solution manufacturer in Colchester. I talked to Meredith about how her company shifted to producing hospital gowns and face masks for frontline workers in a matter of five days. Jeez, these Connecticut manufacturers move quickly. This conversation is really special to me. Not only did I talk to Meredith about leading a company during the pandemic, but also about what it's like to be a millennial CEO, how she worked her way through the ranks, how to deal with pressure and imposter syndrome, and as a young mother, why her personal life is just as important as her professional life. So to any young professionals listening, particularly any young females out there, this conversation is really inspiring, and I hope to talk to more millennial executives over the coming months. As always, please rate, review, share, and subscribe to the BizCast wherever you get your podcasts. And here is my conversation with Meredith. So Meredith, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing well. So I wanted to reach out to you and talk with you about Incord and what you've been doing uh, during this coronavirus pandemic. So I have read that you have been producing hospital gowns and face masks uh, for the frontline workers uh, during COVID-19. So can you talk a little bit about the process in deciding to produce those gowns um, and where you donated them and how you were able to set up uh, that process? You know, all business decisions in the, you know, the middle of March and the end of March were really day-to-day and hour-to-hour sometimes with the changes going on and the uncertainty. But we knew we just needed to do the next right thing for ourselves and for our staff. We wanted to look for opportunities where we could help in our communities with the resources that we had as a manufacturer, because, you know, like by the end of March, we knew that we were still going to be staying open as an essential workplace, um, as essential manufacturer. So I had reached out to quite a few of our, um, different companies in our network, um, to see if there was anyone that needed help with selling, materials, PPE or face masks or anything of that nature. And eventually I got connected with a company who was able to cut isolation gowns, but they needed help with sewing them before they could ship them off to hospitals in the greater New York City area. So um, they sent us some prototypes. We uh, figured out the machinery that was going to be needed and worked with other resources we had in, in procuring that kind of equipment trained our staff. Um, We actually had some lean assistants as well to um, help the process and get them out as fast as we could. And so we made quite a few gowns to to be able to help that need. Um, So it felt great for us to be doing something helpful and and proactive and, you know, when it was uncertain and um, obviously great for the hospitals too that were very much in need of those at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So are you still making hospital gowns or has that uh, subsided? We are not not as many as we had been initially, but we are still making them for for quite a few smaller outfits at this point. You know, like a lot of the volunteer and EMS and um, more of the non-essential like the dentist type applications um, where they still needed the gowns. 
um, and and wanted to shop locally. Yeah, absolutely. So I know that at Incord, you manufacture custom safety netting uh, for many different uh, purposes. So how much did you have to change your assembly line? I know you just mentioned that you had to um, buy new uh, machinery to be able to uh, sew those hospital gowns. You had to retrain your staff. So how how quickly did that happen um, and how were you able to make that transition in the manufacturing process? So it took about uh, five days um, start to finish for us to be able to change over our facility. The way that we've set it up is it's just a lot of open space about typically about 95 to 99% of what we do is custom. So our production facility was already set up to accommodate different things, I guess you could say. So we can move around all of our equipment freely um, anywhere, you know, inside the facility and be able to operate it. So we were able to make the space for the setup uh, quite easily and um, sewing machines, while they're all different at the end of the day, if you can operate one, um, there's just, you know, a short training period to be able to operate another sewing machine. Um, and then you practice. So, and we had, you know, lots of opportunity to, to practice. So it didn't take too long, um, you know, to be able to establish that. And I think everybody was really committed to, you know, the opportunity to be able to help out. So there was, there was no pushback or just eagerness to, you know, be part of the solution. Yeah, that's really great. Uh, well, my next question was, uh, what have you been doing at Incord to keep not only keep your employees safe, but also morale high? Um, as an essential business, you've been open this entire time and taking on a new project like this uh, took a little bit of shifting around in the span of about five days, which is pretty incredible. So what have you been doing at your company to keep employees safe and keep their morale high during this really uncertain time? Yeah, so... We established um, basically one um, woman who is in charge of safety for the company. And from the beginning, she was really the center for the information um, coming from, you know, a variety of resources on a state and federal level, on the health level and the operating level. Um, And so, you know, at first we were meeting almost hourly, you know, as things changed and, and it slowed down with time. But um, what we decided to do was um, start a blog for our employees so that um, we could access everybody. They had something they could read at home before they came in the next day so that they didn't feel that uncertainty of, you know, what's going to be different at work. Do I, you know, am I coming in or am I not? And we told them that we were just going to be transparent about everything and, and, and were. So everyone really had a good understanding about what we knew what we didn't know, what we were going to do about what we didn't know. And um, um, it really provided a sense of relief and, and, and great communication about them being able to raise their concerns and and uh, talk about it as a group. And we started email chains again. They're just funny. Um, and we've learned a lot about each other. So that helps everyone really stay connected and feel like they were getting to know each other better, even though they weren't necessarily interacting in an office setting. 
Yeah, that's really awesome. That that employee uh, to employee connection has been really critical. I know even for us at CBIA working remotely, um, that's been a really big component of what we've been able to accomplish over the past uh, 11 weeks now. Uh, so shifting gears a little bit, I wanted to ask you about uh, your time at Incord. So if I got this correct, you started at Incord as a project manager almost 10 years ago, and you worked your way up and through the ranks. So then the board of directors approved of you to take over the position as CEO uh, about two years ago. So to me, that doesn't sound like a typical millennial career. Usually millennials get the, uh, (laughs) get the rap of, um, job hopping and, you know, doing a bunch of different things and not really staying committed in one place. So, so how did you how did you do that? First of all, (laughs) so I I went to school for business and, uh, Spanish and French. Um, and when I graduated, like every other millennial was quite kind of bleak and, um, it's, it's a family owned company. My father started it, uh, 25 years ago. And he said, you know, uh, we have some job openings, apply for one, you know, you'll have to go through the hiring managers. I'm not going to, just, you know, hire you on if it's not needed. Um, and, um, you know, then when things settle down, if you want to move to New York city and get a job or something, so be it. So I, I applied for the, uh, you know, the project manager position and, um, I just fell in love with manufacturing. Um, I love all the details and I really loved what I was doing. You know, we have a lot of, uh, individuals at the company that spoke Spanish as a second language. So I really started to see a need um, to be able to communicate as a group and, you know, use my language skills to, you know, improve our production by just <laughs> explaining things in a way that made sense to, to um, you know, individuals who weren't getting it in written English. And so, you know, I just stayed and it was tough at times. All jobs are. Um, but I just figured if I worked really hard that it would be recognized. And if I did things that improved the company, the company would, you know, recognize that. And, you know, I was really blessed to work for a company that did recognize my efforts. And I just loved what I was doing. Um, I still do. When my father passed away in March, um, my sister and I actually became the owners of the business as well. So we were lucky to have the opportunity to be running the facility. Um, you know, for these years prior. Um, so the transition was hard for us, but smooth for the company um, to have new ownership. But, you know, at the same time that we're going through a health crisis in the country. Who were some of the most influential people or experiences that you had throughout your 20s that have made you the type of exec- executive you are today? So definitely my, my father and his partner, Bob Martin, they, they ran the company and, um, they just, they had a really unique philosophy about, um, running a company and caring about the employees and and putting that first and just the examples of how they did that, you know, they'll, they'll stay with me forever of, um, you know, helping people and the problems then seem to solve themselves instead of focusing on what someone was doing wrong or something like that. And, you know, I had, I had read a book early on in my twenties called the compound effect. 
And it really just had great advice about, you know, finding mentors and just being present in the places that you wanted to be. So, um, it was, it was difficult, but I made the, you know, I made the uncomfortable leap to networking and attending seminars and attending trainings and, um, trying to attend business events with individuals of the caliber that I wanted to become. And I was able to find quite a few mentors that way that really, you know, helped me with either very specific technical things of running the operations of a company or, you know, the more softer side of, um, you know, what it means to lead with grace or with integrity and how to do that. Do you, are most of your mentors or were most of your mentors uh, men or women or was there a mix of both? There was absolutely a mix of both. I think, um, you know, I, I did specifically try to seek out women in manufacturing um, because, you know, there there are differences. Um, but certainly there was just as many men who, you know, taught me qualities of leadership or technical skills um, as there were um, women. And almost all of the mentors were in similar positions to, uh, you know, to what my career path was, but some of them, some of them weren't. We had set up a board of advisors that, um, you know, included people from all other industries. And um, so that really opened up my eyes to, to what else was out there and, and different attitudes and perspectives of how to run a business. Yeah, certainly. So not only did you um, become CEO um, at the at the young age of 30, but I also was reading that you were also six months pregnant with your second child when you formally took on your role. Um, so, you know, it's kind of a personal question, but w- what challenges have you had to overcome or have you had any challenges to overcome as a young female executive and obviously one that is started her family in the middle of all of that? Um, and What's different about your leadership style that's served you well? So I I never wanted um, my career to hold back my personal life or or vice versa, just because I I didn't want to regret not having done something in either um, you know in either side. And so early on, my husband you know and I you know made made a commitment to support each other, and so we had really talked about it. Um, you know, when I was pregnant and what that was going to entail with, um, with my daughter. And so I ultimately came back to the company and said, you know, I, I'd rather wait a couple of years. Um, and the senior managers said, no, it's fine. This is an opportunity while you're on maternity leave for us to grow and strengthen ourselves. And, you know, when you, when you come back, when you return, it'll be fine. Um, and it was, um, it, it's definitely a challenge. I think my kids, I hope they'll be proud of, of me. And, um, for my life, it just meant more to get to do everything I wanted to do. And, and do always figure out ways to make it work? It's definitely a lot though. <laughs> yeah. Sounds, yeah. Sounds like a lot. Um, yeah. And you've also written about, um, just being a female leader. So what, you know, that part of leadership, what, what's different or what sort of qualities do you strive to emulate, um, 
being a young female leader at an organization? What, what's important to you? I think it's important to me that that's not an advantage or a disadvantage that I have over any other leader of a company. Um, you know, everybody is unique and everybody has a unique genius, whether you're male, female, old, young, what have you. You know, so I, I try to look at the people that I work with in that sense and, you know, hope that they look at me in that sense that, um, you know, my age isn't a deterrent to how well I'm running the, the company um, or my, you know, or my gender. You know, I, I just really try to have the numbers talk. So for my own confidence, you know, I really set out to find benchmarks of, you know, where other manufacturers were and, um you know, other industries were and, and compare our numbers to theirs and, and having that confidence that, you know, we're just as good a company and I'm just as good a leader as, as the next one, you know, that, that made the difference for me. And I, and I, I think that that message is translated to at least to most of our company and hopefully others that it doesn't matter where you came from. Um, it, it matters what you're doing, you know, right here, right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have one more question, um, and I, I may take this out because it's kind of a personal question, but I just want to ask it while I'm uh, while I have you on the phone. Um, did you ever feel like when you were moving up through the ranks at the company that you felt the pressure to uh, be that young wonderkin, and it's you know everyone was looking to you to do the next big thing. Did you ever feel that pressure? Do you still feel that pressure being young and being in- incredibly highly productive um, in that industry? Do you ever feel pressure on yourself or from others that if you're not constantly producing or constantly thinking of the next n- newest thing that you know somehow you're a failure? Uh, imposter syndrome, I guess, is popping into my head. Mm-hmm. I mean... We have a really unique company culture and um, I feel pretty honored with the people that I work with that, you know, each of us really knows our jobs and loves doing it. Um, And so I feel like even if, you know, I'm the CEO of the company, I I still have, you know, quite a few peers that understand my struggles, help me with them, help me through them. Um, You know, we're really a team. I, I, I put a lot of pressure on myself, I think. I probably wouldn't be in the position I was that, you know, I'm in right now if I, if I hadn't. Um, but I don't really feel that from others, you know, maybe they have it and I just am not aware that that can be a lot of pressure. You know, that's, um, you know, we've got over a hundred employees and, um, you know, I, I take that responsibility pretty seriously that we're, we're caring for all of them and it doesn't always necessarily mean doing the next big thing. Um, and that there's somebody expecting it, but it's always doing the next right thing. I really like that. Do do the next right thing. I like that a lot. Um, That's been my mantra through this whole COVID-19 <laughs> crisis. Do the next right thing. Because um, yeah. you can't look too far ahead right now. It doesn't serve anyone. No, certainly not. Well, Meredith, thank you so, so much for uh, spending a few minutes talking with me today. And of course, I'm, you know, wishing you the most success um, at Incord and uh, wishing you, your family and your employees the best of health. Thank you, Shannon. It was a pleasure speaking with you today. For the latest COVID-19 information, 
visit cbia.com. Follow us on Twitter at CBIA News and on Facebook. Call us anytime at 860-244-1900. Stay safe out there.